3: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McKusick. We're here to discuss the offense from that win in London against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, great to come back come back with a win. And uh, uh, here to talk to me about the offense, talk with me about the offense, is Alec Poulianis of One Winning Pod. Alec, how are you doing?
4: Doing great, Ken. Really looking forward to talking about this performance and uh, you know celebrating a win that was much needed after that very disappointing weekend in Baltimore.
3: Yeah, I appreciate uh folks who listen to the defensive pod there are apparently some technical issues that were server side uh with streamyard and and we've got them uh, ironed out today they should be good I should be sounding normal instead of sounding like I'm underwater and uh hopefully uh things are things are better today and uh apologize for the for the pod last night being uh, a little bit difficult to listen to and hopefully uh that's too bad because it was some good content with uh, uh, with James Ogden uh, so anyway we're back. <laughs> We're ready to talk <laughs> about the offense today. Uh, yeah. Ravens left early on this trip, really paid off for them. I thought in terms of spending a lot of additional money uh, to, to get out there and, um, uh, and be in London for some extra time, but, but get their sleep schedules adjusted. And they looked ready to play that game.
4: Yep. It, I'm glad you pointed it out. I feel like it's only a money thing. It's a pretty obvious to me, this is the way to go. I mean, I was making the joke, like if you've ever traveled internationally going that direction, um, the first day is rough, the second day is rough, but you know, by third day you're feeling all right. And if you fly at home Friday, you're still not feeling great on Sunday. And that's not that's problematic, (laughs) you know. So like it, it it seems pretty obvious to me. Obviously, it costs more money, but you know what? I think the team got a lot out of it. It was kind of like a little business trip. They had it seems like they were able to spend more time together and I think it's important to have those. It was like almost a bye week in a way. Like, don't get it twisted, right? Like, obviously, they had to play a game. They had to travel way more than normal, but I think they spent more time together and had, and it was a little out of the norm. Um, so I think they, it was a nice little like shock to the system, particularly after that tough loss. I think it was kind of what, right, what the doctor ordered.
3: It was it was kind of weird to see them boarding the plane the next day after that Steelers loss and mm-hmm. uh and you know all you know off to work and whatnot but uh it does seem to be just what the doctor ordered it seemed to be just a uh a good week spent for them good money spent by the bishadis and uh uh you know i i thought a really class time they spent in london you know they had the ravens bus they're going around to various events and the band all of a sudden showed up when we were at one UK Ravens event and uh, cheerleaders and uh, and whatnot. I was told Ray Lewis was going to be there at some point. We, we left before that happened, but uh, <laughs> got to meet a lot of the great, great fans over there in the UK. You follow the Ravens. They are uh, very good sports fans uh, over there and, and uh, you know, just nice people to meet.
4: Yeah, it looked like an incredible time. It looked like uh, even DaCosta went to that event at the, uh, I guess, the pub. And, like, it, it seemed like a really cool um, gathering. I definitely uh, kind of wish I could have gone. It seemed really cool. Yeah.
3: Uh, looks like the Ravens avoided big injuries on this trip. Now they had the four guys who returned against Pittsburgh. And those guys did not play well in that game. And that was mm-hmm. uh, Stanley, Williams. I, I always have trouble remembering all the names. when I, OBJ when I and oh, yeah. Humphrey. Humphrey. There you go. Yeah. And so none of them played particularly well in that game. Humphrey maybe wasn't terrible, but he got beat for the winning touchdown pass, and, and Stanley looked really bad. Uh, OBJ uh, you know, allowed the interception, of course, and Williams looked like he's mm-hmm. playing with one arm. In this game, we, Williams uh, was the biggest injury probably coming out of the game with his hamstring. On the other hand, it kind of overlaps with that existing shoulder injury, which does not look like he should be out there over Stone right now.
4: Yeah, I agree. And in a way, I'm like, this isn't the worst thing that have happened. I, I really do feel for him. I know he's trying really hard to be out there, but it's it's not great. Like when he came downhill to try to tackle um, Henry, you just could tell he didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, like it was just, it was a weird setup. And like, thank thankfully, he was able to bring him down on that getaway run. That was an incredible effort. I remember watching and being like, are we serious? Like the one guy who is like broken right now is our last chance. And he made a really heroic tackle there but yeah we got tested really hard too when he got hurt and then hamilton was ejected um moving stevens back to safety it was a very interesting um move i was curious what would happen there and i'm glad that we have that kind of positional depth but it's a tough situation i'm glad they brought in a new safety on the practice squad i think it's really needed at this point
3: yeah, it's, a, it's a, a good signing. Adams is a longtime vet. They have a couple guys, Houston Carson now and Adams, who have been in the league for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, if you look at the Ravens practice squad here, one of the things I want to see, and let me just refresh this because there's been changes and I'm hoping they've, they've updated this since they got back. They probably have. Um, yeah, they, they have one, two, three, four, looks like four guys now who are in their eighth year or later. Now they don't have Adams on here yet. Not who would be the fifth. So they, they cut Drake, but they didn't. They didn't put Adams in here yet. Um, so they have nine, uh, five guys who are in their eighth year or later on the practice squad. Mm. Just incredible. Laquan Treadwell, Melvin Gordon, Houston Carson, and Eric Tomlinson, and now Adams. Uh, and uh, Adams has been recently a pretty damn decent cover guy and has about three thousand career snaps. So he's not not a lightweight in any way in terms of doing this. And I think if they got him, they they probably really believe that he can play the back end, play more free safety than strong safety. Houston Carson is the other way around. He's played more strong than free. So uh probably a really good split safety option for the Ravens if they want to bring Hamilton back up into the box. Yeah, and while you know you might
4: lose a little bit of um developmental upside by having these veterans on the practice squad i really do think it's a nice extension of the roster and and what will lead to a more competitive team um i think this is the right move for where this team's at
3: i'm i i I think you always have to balance things for 23 and 24 Mm -hmm. and so here's here's my fear when i look at the that that um roster again let let me bring that up again damn it um, the entire practice squad just has a couple of names who are true developmental players. So you got Jeremy Lucian, uh, a corner safety, who is truly a guy. I think they've they've got a ticket on. That's a lottery ticket kind of guy. They've got Trey Swilling, who's an, a one guy. But you got to really look at the R one guys as the guys who could who could really help them for multiple years. You want to throw right. Josh Ross into that category? Is he your two guy? But he might be a guy who could help them in the future. Um, and then I think the other is Tayshaun Manning. I'm not that high on Tykeem Doss. I don't think either of the wide receivers, uh, either either Black or Ryan, are that uh, great an opportunity. Travis Fokelect would be another one, a tight end, who could still yeah. have the team a long time. And I guess you know the other guy they still have, and they might actually be going to him this week, if Urban can't go, is Rashad Nichols. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty thin sheet of future talent that they have there uh it's not is it, this this practice squad is built primarily for this year it's not built for you know a lot of future value tashion manning is the big guy who could who could uh, help them at guard i guess you know if you, it, they have some losses coming up at safety after this year and and uh, lucian could also be a guy but um you know it, it really looks to me like manning is probably the, the the biggest name on the practice squad
4: yep i agree and uh and lucian I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do
3: okay All right. Outstanding. Um, uh, Let's let's move on. Obviously, this is a defense that did very much outmatch the Titans and and they won the game Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. They they had the game put away. I'm using air quotes if you can't tell, Uh, you know, fairly early with the 18 to three lead at the half. That certainly should have been enough. Uh, They came out and they got a three and out, I believe, right away in the second half. So they they were looking good, but uh, they did manage to let the Titans outscore them 10 to nothing in that third quarter and get back in the football game.
4: Yes, they did, and that was really unfortunate. Just a couple bad drives that got stalled out early from poor first down success, and then of course the interception. Um, it, it's frustrating that they weren't able to just kind of close the door. You know, two two scores can become one real quick, right? And and then that's when it gets uh, a little dicey. So, yeah, unfortunately, that was the case with uh, you know this game. Had that dread of are we really going to let this slip through our fingers again? But Seemed like we kind of turned it back on, uh, particularly with that interception. That really, uh, I think, was a big
3: table turner. Huge play. And then, of course, the the, the long drive for the field goal when they were already up eight was another big one. So they got a big defensive stop. Um, They out snapped the Titans uh, 70 to 46 in this game. That's exactly what the doctor ordered, by the way. And if Mm. you're looking for all of the effects of London rolled into one statistic, that might be it. Um, that they they were able to stay on the field a lot longer. They were a lot more in sync offensively early in that game on third down than the Titans were, who had all kinds of trouble. So even though the Ravens' series success rate was not particularly high in this game, they were, they were still, I think they were in the low 70s, and they're they're at 69% now for the, fir- for the last four weeks, which is below the league average of 69.9%. Okay, so it's they've they've really uh, the the offense has not been getting it done in the last in the last four weeks. Uh, But on the on the other hand, they're still uh, sitting there at I think it's ninth in the league in uh, in red zone percentage uh, at 58.3 percent. They're 14 of 24 now, despite going one for six in this game. Uh, so it's, I, I'm not saying 58.3 is where they want to be because the league average was 56% last year. It's down to 53.3% this year. So they're above league average, but it's still not an exciting place to be.
4: Yeah. That's, that's a indicative of the hot and cold nature of this offense. It really seems like there's no in between. Um, obviously they did get a lot of field goals this game, but they were uh, a lot of field goals when they were dramatically close to the goal line. It um, yeah. seemed to be a very promising drive and then kind of get staggered. So Hopefully they can improve it. You know, offense is down uh, in total. Lee, it's like the lowest yeah. total since 2012. So it's part for the course in a way, but also like we want to rise above. So hopefully they can start figuring it out. I have some thoughts on why the team is struggling um, offensively, particularly in the red zone, and I'm sure we'll get into it in this episode.
3: Sure, uh, we uh, uh, we we probably should. And this is this is talking about some of the re- regression in general that you, we talked about in the production meeting because this, this is a good time yeah. to study.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, my biggest thing, and we'll talk about it in episode two in more depth is that the offensive lines really limiting their options when yeah. they get close to the goal line. And and they're also just not being successful with the options that we're giving them. So um, this is really the part that I think they need to improve upon. I honestly do think they have the horses as far as uh skill position players to succeed in the red zone. I don't really think it's a lack of that. I think it's that the offensive line is just not been performing, particularly the left-hand side, um, in getting proper push in, in the run game and then also uh you know enough time uh, to run the kind of plays you want to run so it's 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 really challenging and my almost one of my initial thoughts is do they want to start trying to strike from farther out <laughs> you know like intentionally build plays to try to get in the end zone earlier rather than tr- trying to get closer um that's not a, a fun way to live it's not a great way to live it's probably you know you can't in many ways, you can't predict it, right? Because otherwise, you have to throw it in the end zone. Otherwise, you might get stopped. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how this unfolds going forward. Um, the ideal way would be just better line performance, but I don't know if we're going to get it this year.
3: Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, we, we, we'll get to the offensive line in the second part. So definitely some people took a step forward in this game, and there's others who took a step back. And unfortunately, you know, I'm not seeing the, the game from Kevin Zeitler the way the PFF did. PFF yeah. had, him, had him rated as the as the highest uh, ranked lineman. That that's okay. not where I had him. So we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. through that. <laughs> um, you know, they a, a good a good mix of run and pass in this game. Just the kind you want if you can get it. Thirty nine run, thirty one pass. Um, a, a lot of teams. If uh, you know, teams preach for years wanting to be 50-50, and very few NFL teams can can stay at that level. And the only way you generally can is to have a game like this where you really out-snap your opponent and, and beat them badly. But the Ravens, with Monken, have been quite good at, at maintaining a, a high percentage of run plays. Indeed, they really do try to keep it consistent.
4: I feel like they do sprinkle in enough run, even in positions where you might think they'll pass, particularly on um, second and, like, seven or so they'll typically try to run because they want to make it a lot more manageable play options uh, for, for third down. I've noticed that a lot. So um, we haven't been seeing too many, I feel like um, second and shorts this year. I don't know if you kind of noticed that as well, Um, but uh, definitely um, yeah. Trying to get to more
3: manageable third down so that they can have a better success rate there. That's an interesting one because second and seven in particular, even second and six, um, kind of traditional football thought would tell you those are defensive wins on first down that have just occurred, and so you're already kind of behind the behind the off schedule, let's call it. So right. uh, now we we do remember the 2019 Ravens and the 2018 Ravens as well were, were a team that that were happy to run on third and five because hey, you got two downs to get those five right. yards <laughs> why would we why, why would we not pass until fourth down you know but but uh, uh but yeah that was a uh a, a different time with an unbelievably great offensive line there that we uh, now can only appreciate in retrospect uh yeah talking about yeah that
4: was uh when you could oppose your will and just like you knew you were going to get yards every time so it was it was a little bit different but now it's uh you gotta fight for them a little bit more
3: uh, you know, I think this the, the you you were calling it small pot poker in terms of some of the things they mm-hmm. did, but they but they went one for six in the red zone in this game. I, it was a combination of things I thought that that brought them back. Um, one thing that that, that I'll mention, I want to hear your reasons too, is that they kind of had gotten some away with some things in previous weeks. So two weeks ago against the Browns, they threw the pass or Lamar threw the pass into the corner of the end zone, basically was heavily double covered. Andrews picked it out of the air and it was, it was a great catch. It was a very low percentage throw. Okay. Right. And everybody says, great, great risk Lamar. You, you, and, and, and it, they all, they're only going by the result because that is a terrible throw. It's a terrible choice to, to make mm-hmm. that throw great that he made it, but it was no, 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 no. Yes. On a three point mm-hmm. shot. That's exactly what that was. And then this, this, you know, a week ago, they had the interception that Beckham could not strip away and now they're being a little more cautious in terms of throwing the ball in the end zone, which is probably a good thing in general because you certainly wouldn't want one, of, one out of every two of those going wrong uh, and I don't know if those throws are even good enough to have only <laughs> one of the two of them go wrong, but you know they're, they're both interceptable balls um, see so you, you end up with this um, uh, you know, this week where they basically ran the ball a lot more to try and hammer their way in and then when they got to fourth down they, they didn't really go for it.
4: Yeah, they didn't. How many times did they get to like third and one? Uh, I look you it fail. up while you're while you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they fail. and then it's fourth and one, and you're like, are they really not going to go for it? And yeah, there was a couple really short yardage ones where they just weren't able to to punch it in, and and they didn't they didn't go for it, and they, they were so close, you know, with our defense at being like with inside the five or inside the ten, you're like. Maybe you do it, but honestly, like I wasn't against it. I, I usually am like yelling, like, "Why are we not being more aggressive here? Like, get the points." I'm like, "This team is just not that good. They came out late to London. I feel like we should beat them. Like, why are we going to give them chances? Why are we going to give them any momentum?" Like,
3: I just was like, "You know what? Fine, three points. Three points." Yeah, it's, <laughs> <I was> like- <laughs> Let's go through what happened because yeah. they, they had a third and one. I think it was really third and inches, and then it might have gotten them fourth and slightly more than one after it looked like Edwards had actually a loss on the play on the very first field goal. So they have fourth and one at Tennessee twenty-three. That would the 2019 Ravens wouldn't think twice about going for that. Right. You you go to the second drive of the game, uh, fourth and four at the Tennessee ten. They are probably analytics people are probably whispering in the headset, go ahead and go for it. Because you leave the other team way down here at the 10 yard line. This is a good thing. Uh, you know, you, you've got to trade off and you might get points. And when I'm not even sure they wouldn't say no on that, my guess is it probably be very close at the worst in terms of this. I know there's a bot out there you could look at to see it. The yeah. third field goal, fourth and five at the five, after they just lost four yards on a run, understand completely why they did it. So no problem there. Mm-hmm. Then we go to the next one that was just one second left in the half. And so they got the field goal. And that that was their fourth field goal of the day. Then we go to the second half, um, and they scored 10 straight points, including what went on there with the interception. We go to the fourth quarter, fourth and two at the Tennessee two. Tucker kicks a 20-yard field goal to go back up eight. Those points are important to go up eight. And they already knew at this point that – probably, that Malik Willis was coming in the game, although he didn't come in until the next play. So they might have figured out and said, okay, it's going to be Willis. Let's make sure we're up eight. Um, but still, fourth and two at the two, if you knew it was Willis, you probably also would love to leave Willis with a 98-yard field. Right. And they instead did not go for it. So, you know, that's, a, that's another one. And then they had fourth and one at the Tennessee 19 with an eight-point lead. Now, there I completely understand it with 419 to go. Those three points have more win probability value than trying to go for a first down there. Although if you go for a first down, you also take away a lot of time from Tennessee and they'd already called two of their timeouts and you'd had a chance to to run out the clock on them that way. So, uh, I, I mean, I think it could have gone either way. Anyway, the Ravens played a very, uh, very conservative in this game in terms of taking the points on fourth and one, fourth and two, and even fourth and four. Uh, and I think the, the the small pot poker analogy that you were making earlier is a is a good one in terms of uh, uh, the Ravens deciding, hey, we're the better team. Let's just allow things to play out as they are with slight disadvantage to our expected points and yet spread the outcome of the game over more um, die rolls or coin flips or whatever you want to call it uh, in order to make it work. Correct. And then, you know. Going forward, it's kind of interesting,
4: right? Playing the Lions next week. I don't know if you can get away with that. So <laughs> we'll see if uh, if they have a change in, in philosophy. Uh, they'll also, you know, technically be at home. Whereas I feel like that game kind of felt like a home game based on preparation and also uh, the amount of fans we had supporting. So yeah, I mean, definitely uh, we'll see how they proceed. But this was a kind of a, a step back in aggressiveness.
3: Yeah, I, I agree, and you know, they it's the difference in terms of what kind of favorite they were was not much. But by the time Willis came in the game, it was pretty evident who which was the better football team on the field, which was more prepared to play in London, and all those things. Right. But the I, I do think you know there are there are three point favorite of the Lions at home. There were four point favorite of the Titans, sort of at home, even though the Titans were technically the home team. There were no there were no Ravens videos on the board all day, you know, of <laughs> of, of, of what had happened. It was all Titans crap. But then you know Titans introducing things and whatnot. but uh, uh, it, it was a game where where there were certainly more Ravens fans there, <laughs> right? <laughs> you could tell right from the o. I was like, all right, we're good. <laughs> yeah All right, We already move on, and talk a little bit about Lamar. Let's do it. All right. So uh, a few things about this. So the Titans at, Ravens had thirty one total passing snaps. And the Titans only rushed five plus on eight occasions. And if you think back to the previous week, the Steelers used a lot of five man plus rushes against the Ravens. They, they really, I thought, determined a little bit of a blueprint to beating Lamar was to send extra uh, pressure against them. Of course, they didn't have Moses in the game at that point. Stanley, you know, back in a week healthy, they've uh, they had a little bit better advantage with him. But uh, what what turned out happening is when they rushed five. They gave up 6.1 yards per play, but when they rushed four, they gave up 7.6 yards per play. Not a tremendous difference, but definitely something where Lamar made a number of big plays um, by getting time and space created, or even just meandering out of the pocket and leaving the pocket at better times when only four men were rushing. Yeah. Um, I guess
4: I thought Lamar did a really good job of managing this game. It uh, was only sacked once, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. Two-yard loss. And, uh, yeah, and only, and only a two-yard loss. Um, you know, Given kind of the crap we we're giving the offensive line uh, for this performance, he was still able to uh, not get damaged by it too much, and I thought that was admirable.
3: Yeah, that was, that was a real problem on this field, I thought. It was, you know, it was a... Uh, first of all, you don't want to be taking hits on a field like that. And if, All the things you can say about the offensive line in this game, and they they weren't great in a lot of ways. They did a very good job of not letting Lamar get hit in the game, and I, I think this was a good field to not get hit on. We saw what happened to Tannehill; he did get hit, he was out, and uh, excuse me, Malik Willis took a few shots as well in in the process, and uh, and didn't look great either. Uh, ample time and space, uh, nine times, uh, out, out of, uh, 31 throws so 29%. Uh, Lamar completed six of nine for 50 net yards. So 5.6 yards per play. That's not much at all. By the way, your you, ample time spaces, you want those up around 10 yards per attempt. Um, he did not do much other than the 10 yard touchdown to flowers where he basically strolled around the field, eventually, you know, found flowers in the open, the, the, some of the video of that in the All-22 really looks good for Flowers continuing to work to make space as the play went on.
4: Yeah, uh, I loved watching that, Um, you know, his, his run that drag route in one direction, realizes the play is uh kind of breaking down and flips his hips and, you know, might as well forget about it. it Look like one of those uh training camp videos where the guy gets completely lost and uh gets that easy touchdown. So something I would love to see more of, you know, I, I think he would be really effective on some whip routes and stuff. Um, They do it occasionally, but, uh, you know, his his suddenness is unbelievable. So build that in more.
3: The play that reminded me of, unfortunately, was in 2018 when they went into Kansas City and they lost on the fourth and nine play to Mahomes. I think it's 18. Yeah, it's 18. Mm. Um, And and on that fourth and nine play, Mahomes ran around the pocket, and then he finally just unloads the ball deep. And somehow – Tyreek Hill is open by ten yards downfield <laughs> because of that, and then he ran around and and uh, and they ended up scoring the the, the game tying touchdown, won it in overtime. But that's that's the play it kind of reminded me of. This was a a really good trust building throw for Flowers. I think is very important. Um, I I still want him to be used more on routes down the field. I hope we see him more. Yeah. Uh, you know, peeling the top off the defense, taking the safety's attention. But uh, but this was a good one, and and you know, it's there now. And defensive coordinators gonna have to look at that film. Actually, advanced scouts will, and they'll have to say, you know, how the hell do we cover this guy? And yeah, I think one thing you—I don't know if you also noticed,
4: Ken—but we haven't really taken many deep shots at all this yeah. year. Um, we've taken long intermediate throws, but I would—I would say like we've had basically no, you know, streaking down the defense, unloading a, you know, forty-yard, sixty-yard, you know. Uh, <laughs> Rainbow pass, like that. None of that at all. Um, very interesting. Maybe it's a, a reflection of the not thinking of the pass. Um, blocking can sustain long enough to do something like that. But I would love to see more of it because we have the the horses to do it. I really think a lot of our wide receivers could get away with it. Uh, Flowers being one of them. I think Aguilar and Bateman could probably also, um, you know, execute a route like that. So something I would like to see them try.
3: Yeah, it's it's something, if if you've got a single high situation, you can definitely put yourself in a position to do that. If the other team's playing too high, you have to kind of take what the defense gives you and, and maybe take some intermediate throws instead that are in front of those safeties. But if you've got a, a single high look, you definitely have the option to, and you have the time also is, I guess, the key point here to get that ball up because it, that throw only takes about 2.1 seconds to hit him at 42 yards, I want to say. That's the mm-hmm. kind of the old... Um, Walsh math of, of how long it takes a a, a a ball with good air under it uh, to get to, to be delivered to, to then get to the receiver at about forty two yards. So it's uh, uh you know, that's that's a good op- that's it's a good option there. It's probably something they they want to try. Maybe they could even check into it the next time they see single high. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it, it, that's the hard call. You always see you know the wide receivers on the outside usually the last person to get the play check, so you got to have it as a as part of a two play call you're making, and then check to it at the line of scrimmage and and uh, and hopefully the other the, the the defense doesn't you know drop a safety back deep at that point. Right, <laughs> always the the chess match. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see what else I got to tell. Okay, ball out quick seven times, twenty three percent, seven of seven on those throws for fifty yards, seven point one yards per play. Nothing nothing wrong with that. Um, again, only twenty three percent of the totals. Here's the big one. Lamar was pressured 15 times. That's 48%, basically exactly the same amount that the Ravens pressured the Titans QBs. Um, Mm -hmm. But on those, he completed 9 of 14 for 121 yards, 8.1 yards per play. One sack for minus two in that group, and the interception, which is obviously unfortunate, not what you want. But that's 8.1 yards per play was more than 10 yards better than what the Titans quarterbacks did because they were minus 2.3 yards oh, wow. per play when yeah. pressured. So uh, uh, that was the difference in this ball game, a nice inverted game from Lamar. And frankly, I'm I'm glad to see it because I think we needed to see him have a really good game where he's unloading the ball under pressure. And, uh, and, and I thought he did a really good job with his, with his opportunity set in this game.
4: Reflecting on it. Uh, this is definitely probably the most encouraging two bullets that we'll talk about tonight. Because this to me shows that Lamar's really starting to understand this offense, knowing where he can go with the ball when he is getting pressured and also knowing where um, the ball out quick. You know, that's probably recognizing seeing the defense and understanding that he'll have an opportunity there and being able to unload the ball uh, quickly there. Um, allegedly in in the media availability, he said that um, Bateman was kind of held up and that was why he was out of position. Um, and you can see on it on the, the interception. Or- yeah. And he was saying that that that's why they were out of sync because he got held up in his route and then wasn't quite where he thought he'd be. Because that was a ball out quick situation. The ball came out, you know, um, like, I mean, well, I guess it may be a pressure uh, in in your nomenclature, but pressured and the ball came out quick. (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, the uh, I I think it it came out
3: early. That doesn't always mean it's not (laughs) pressure. So, yeah.
4: yeah. yeah. So um, anyways, I, I I thought that was encouraging. Um, just being able to see him dissect the defense, even when he's getting uh, pressured.
3: That, by the way, that was one of several pressures to Zeitler that obviously PFF and I disagree on because they've got zero pressures in this game. But he was clearly, okay. very clearly in the throwing oh, cone wow. on that play. Picked up his he, he did he he did a kind of heroic job of picking up the stunt, but he picked it up way too deep, um, and and he's you know basically right back in the cone. So it yeah. was what it was. So uh Lamar 2.94 time seconds to throw in this game that's good you know it's good to see him back up towards three per play what you really want to see is like a 3.42 in one of these games where he's got a couple of just ridiculous time and space opportunities created in first by some good blocking, and then by his legs, where it ends up being like eight seconds, like last week, and that yeah. bumps up the whole average significantly. But um, two point ninety four is pretty good. You know, he's, he had still a number of balls that were were thrown quickly, uh, particularly the outside, some wider receiver screens, some some just some screen passes that were out fairly quickly. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm happy that there were other plays that that bumped that average up higher. And uh, it's just unfortunately. Aside from that one pass to Flowers, he didn't do too much with the with the longer opportunities he had.
4: Yeah, I tell you, man. The one thing that really bugged me—I don't know if you had the same feeling when that initial play um, was like the screen to Aguilar. I was like, why would they do that? Like, you know, it was on third down, and he almost breaks away and, and gets a uh, mm-hmm. and gets a touchdown. I think that field uh, impacted a lot of players from getting uh, maybe more yards. But uh, but yeah, like. Sometimes like I feel like if I think if I recall correctly, I think they were in a single high on that play. And I thought to myself, Oh, this is your opportunity to to attack, you know, go downfield. But um, yeah, they they took a they took a little bit more conservative route and it worked out really well for them.
3: But uh that was that was kind of what my thought was. You know, it's at that, I think the point you made there is an interesting one, and I think you're probably right, because we saw it later on the on the big Ty J Spears. Pass play, which is, by the way, is minus three plus fifty one. So it's none of that is the quarterback. So it's it's all Spears making people miss down the field. The Ravens had three missed tackles on the play. The the missed tackles they had weren't generally I have this guy easily. They were I'm overrunning the play, which could well be a matter of the field is too soft to run on. We saw at least two plays where Lamar had trouble running on the field. One where he got tripped up by the ankle. Well, look, at, he never gets tripped up like that. I'm thinking <laughs> it is as a, as a you know a lineman did it. Another one where he went down before contact, where it looked like he wasn't really trying to go down. He was trying to maybe make a cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, but I mean, in general, I was really fine with him going down prior to contact in this game. I thought that that's a really good thing, given the nature of this field and the reputation it has for for creating injuries. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, I, I'm I'm all for Lamar not being a hero unless he really has
4: to be, uh, and and going down. You know, in general, I don't even
3: see him get a hit. All right. Uh, what else do I want to talk about? Let's see. Let's talk about. Um, I think we talked a little bit about the offense creating more space with Flowers Bateman. Mm-hmm. You mentioned as a guy being able to run a, a more vertical routes and 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 try to take a shot over the top. I would love to see that too. I I hope that the trust level with Bateman is not at a really low level right now. But between the drops last week and the you know the the no play on the interception this week, it, it, I, I I just hope that relationship is not broken down in some way.
4: It's challenging for sure. I think it's something they're working on in practice. Um, I I don't know what we need. I think I think he needs to break a bigger a bigger play. You know they've been definitely intentional in the first. Um, you know, sequences trying to get him to catch uh, in like a nice short way, yep. but that's not quite it. I think he needs a, a little bit bigger play. He needs like that Odell play, you know, granted that Odell play wasn't immediately going to be what it was, but I think Odell really got fired up from getting that 34 yards going through traffic and, um, you know, kind of feeling okay, I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm able to do it. He even admitted that he came back a week too soon um, when injury wise, like he was feeling a lot better this week than he was last. And, you know, you kind of see it on that one play. Um, hopefully we can get something like that for Bateman because I think he needs a little bit of a confidence boost and it's not going to be just, you know, an eight yard out. Uh, it, It needs to be a major first down, maybe on third down kind of play.
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I've been noticing the scripted plays going to him too and thinking this this is good. You've you're got it back at the yeah. offense after two drops, you know, getting him on, the, on that little sideline play and then he had another catch.
0: The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what Hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com.
3: Um, but I, I think he needs a play like the flowers play where yeah he he works to find space as lamar is extending a play that's the big trust builder is you know i i i'm looking for my guy when i need him open there and and you know it, it's andrews first it's flowers second or the other way around pretty much all the time right now and it would it would it would be great if bateman were um on that list somewhere sometimes -hmm all right. Let's let's uh, let's go ahead and talk some other scheme elements. The running back snaps, uh, really, one thing I was expecting to see this game, we did not obviously see Keaton Mitchell return. Um, he, he did play 17. Special team snaps, I believe, zero on offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, 44 for Edwards, which is, by the way, a very heavy workload. So – the Ravens had 71, okay, and the snap definition I have to go through every time because that's how yeah. know over 10 I am, but they had the 70 snaps that counted. They have one extra penalty. 44 and 27 for Edwards and Hill meant they had um, a, one running back exactly on every place. So they never tried to do anything where they had a pony situation. Yeah. I, I would personally for, for Mitchell, I would love to see them do that on a play where they have flowers on the field. So basically it gives them two good speed options at the same time. One who can do gadgetry with 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 Keaton Mitchell might line up anywhere at all. You don't you don't know where he's going, especially if he's the second running back. You have no idea where he's where he's going. Uh, he might be in the backfield, he might be, you know, flanker, it might be whatever. Um, and, then, and then you have Flowers and, and you can do more with Flowers and you still have Andrews on the field in that situation. Um, and, and you can make a play over the middle if you need to or, or uh, uh, go play action or do any number of things that involve misdirection. The, 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 the point being that I really think the Ravens need to create space before they're going to make valuable use of these multiple speed options they have in Hill, DuVernay, Mitchell and Flowers. Yep, I'd definitely like to see that as well.
4: was really disappointed to see Mitchell get zero offensive snaps in this game. I think he's a a component that we really could use at this point. And um, it sounds like they're hoping to get him involved in me this week. Um, I don't really think there's any excuses for what didn't happen this time. Um, I'm still very disappointed, but I hope they're able to rectify it. 44 snaps for Edwards is way too many, particularly because I just don't think he's the best back in this backfield. I truly think Hill is best fit for this offense. And, and needs more opportunity. I understand he's had the ball um, you know, protection issues, but I think that's something that can be corrected and, and you know, known about. I, I'm just I fear Edwards really needs this offensive line to be blocking better for him. <laughs> I think at this stage of his career, um his ability to just fall forward and, and get yards after contact is not quite where it once was, was. And I still think he's scary once he gets to stride six or seven, but he hasn't been able to get there because of the way the blocks have been laid and Hill on the other hand, he has that shiftiness. He's been able to make something out of nothing. You know, sometimes he's able to make one cut and, and, and make something out of a play that wasn't blocked well. And, uh, and I'm sure Mitchell could probably do the same. So we'll see a little bit less of Edwards and more of Hill and Mitchell.
3: Um, it's, it's a good point. I mean, you know, obviously when they don't have Ricard in for the percentage of snaps they used to, and they're not the kind of point of attack offense they were last year all numbers are going to be down and the Ravens yako in particular the yards after contact has really suffered with the Monken offense but right now uh you know in this this game they're at 2.3 um yako per ball and that would rank yeah there you go it would rank 49th among 60 running backs that have 23 plus carries this year so mm. uh, I picked twenty-three because it's twenty percent of the maximum number of carries anybody's got right now. So it's it's uh, uh you know, it's it's a reasonable number, as, as reasonable numbers as any. I didn't hand pick it to, to to get it to be a certain uh you know, result here. But 49th sure. of 60 obviously is not the percentile rank you want for Gus Edwards and the rest of the Ravens. That's the that's the entire Ravens group. Okay. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of Yako, The big difference between having the point of attack offense that they used to have with Roman and, and what they have now with Monken is that the having Ricard lead and having, you know, pulls and the misdirection and all the things that are, that are basically the goal of all that is to make second level the first point of contact as opposed to first. So you burst that back into the second level and then they have a chance to, to break tackles and make a make a longer play. Now, when Edwards gets there, he's facing a smaller man, generally speaking. whether it's a linebacker or a safety or even a corner is generally going to be a man who's no bigger than him um yeah. at this mm-hmm. and that's big opportunity for 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 Yako and that's why Edwards has you know for years maintained such a high rushing average is because he's he's uh, been able to get more second level first contact opportunities he's a slippery guy he does some other things that in terms of elusiveness that are probably a little bit underrated but it's mostly the power it's mostly the lean forward in terms of of what he gives you after that first contact his ability to work through it um effectively uh leave a leg you know in the old Jim Brown uh, way of uh, of talking about it but he's he's a uh, uh you know he's a guy who if you didn't expect that the offensive change alone was going to significantly drop his yards per carry you're living in fantasy land and honestly i think he's pretty much exactly where you'd expect he's in the what mid-fours right now in terms of of yards per carry and uh, maybe i should look at that before i say but uh, but it's a uh it's a reasonable kind of a number for for him to be at uh, assuming I'm correct about that, which is always <laughs> a risk here, so let's look at this. So Gus Edwards has averaged only 3.9 yards per carry. Okay, well that's not reasonable. That's too low. This 2.6 obviously dragged him down significantly from this game, but uh, uh, he he you know he, he was due to have a big reduction in yards per carry. It Was not reasonable to expect him to be at the same level, and uh, the offense was really built th- for him as much as it was built for Lamar these last few years.
4: It's a really good insight about uh, kind of the difference there with the, the point of attack offense and uh, Edwards. I I definitely felt like I'm still such a shame that uh, we didn't get to see more JK. I was really excited to see how he would fit with this offense. I think he was like, obviously the natural fit. And now they have to do this committee approach, which uh, just won't be as effective.
3: Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it, who knows? I mean, they got to look ahead to 2024 at this point, and Hill will still be around. It looks like he'll still be, you know, yeah. he's he's a good weapon in this offense so far. It looks like, but I th- I think they really owe it to themselves to really see what they have with Mitchell. They they yeah. need to figure out what they have for 2024, uh, and they probably need to decide whether or not it's worth bringing back Edwards uh, for another year. Whether it's worth trying to re-sign Dobbins, maybe on a one-year deal, uh, it'll be a prove-it deal. It won't be a lot of money for Dobbins. Right. If it is a lot of money, thanks, JK. But you know, we'll, we wish you the best. Right. Um, but it won't be a lot of money to, for, for Dobbins, I don't believe. So it's really a case of, of uh, you know, do they really want a power back next year to, to fit aside with these guys? I think it makes sense to have one. Um, you, you want to get, sometimes you just want to play heavy and the other team wants to play in the box and you, you got to be able to do a little bit of that. So, uh, uh, it's, it's nice to have the option and hopefully they can, they can find a play. Those guys are usually not that hard to find, honestly. No, they're not that I was going to say, uh, you could probably find one for
4: cheaper than, than what Edwards is costing you as much as I love him, you know, just recognizing uh the constraints going forward.
3: Yep, yep, yep. Now uh, there's some interesting things going on in that running back group because Gordon is still on the practice squad, but he's out of activations. But they did they did cut Drake this work, this week to make room for Adams on the yep. on the practice squad. This the safety pickup we talked about earlier. Um, what is the point of, of, of <laughs> keeping Melvin Gordon around on the practice squad when he's used up all his activations? <laughs> there's no protection from any other team getting him and maybe the, the running backs in the league get degraded enough to a point where somebody else does take him away from the Ravens.
4: <laughs> sure.
3: I, I, I don't know. I'm not
4: that high on Melvin Gordon. I think that there are uh, other players that can be picked up uh, that would be equally as effective. I mean, we, we see, um, uh, for still un, unspoken for, right? Like he's out there. Um, yeah, I just I don't know why why they have Gordon still around the practice squad. He was an interesting choice from the get-go, I think. And uh continues to be interesting going forward.
3: Yeah, the the uh it, it really is one fumble can change the course of history in a lot of ways. And Drake's Drake's fumble, I don't we don't know what's going on in practice. We don't know what we're seeing. We don't we don't really know if Drake might be a little bit out of shape or have some other work ethic issue or whatever's going on. We really don't know, but for, for whatever, there may be some reason from practice that they like Gordon over Drake, but it certainly seems like that one fumble really got Drake back in the doghouse and Gordon was ahead of him. And it's, it's kind of one of the funniest things ever that ironic <laughs> yeah. anyway, that Gordon is, is chosen over Drake because Drake is a bigger fumbling issue. And yeah, anyway, the Gordon's pass blocking with PFF, the ski slope of his career Uh, in terms of his pass blocking ratings. I've mentioned several times on this show, but uh, he's not there for that. Let's put it that way. Yep. (laughs) All right. All right. Maybe we move on a little bit. We talk about who we didn't see in the offense besides Mitchell. Obviously Mitchell is is a big one, but Duvernay likely and Colar had a combined zero targets. They didn't play zero snaps. And I'll tell you how many snaps they had in total here in a minute, but what were your feelings about that?
4: Uh sort of indifferent. That they didn't have any targets in this game. Um, I guess the, the one that was most striking was uh, DuVernay. Honestly, um, I, we were talking about on the show. We wouldn't be surprised. If we see more of him. Now that key Mitchell's available. He could also be a returner, right? So um, maybe they feel a little bit more comfortable using him in more offensive snaps and more offensive uh, positions. And honestly, as we continue to see the struggles of Bateman and, um, OBJ. It wouldn't surprise me if they turn over to DuVernay different kind of receiver, but a guy who can, um, had some success earlier in the season last year and some growth. So, uh, hasn't had the best opportunities. I think he's only been targeted seven times this year and only two catches out of that. And, uh, if you remember, like a lot of them were pretty contested. So it's not the, like the worst that he hasn't had the, uh, the catches. They weren't the most uh, opportune um, targets, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely want to see a little bit more of him. Likely, he's in a tough spot. I feel like he almost regressed this year um, from where he was end of last year. And I want to see him able to contribute more um, as a blocker to, to kind of warrant being out there. Because uh, the way he was, he was playing recently, I feel like that's not um, it's not helping over some of the wide receivers we have.
3: You know, that's a really good point about about likely as a blocker here, because they the three of them together had 38 snaps. So likely had 17, 24% of the snaps, Duvernay 15, Kolar 6. Kolar, I don't even know if he got out in the pattern. Um, I, th- I think he was used <laughs> twice as a pass blocker, and I, he might have been used four times as a run blocker for all I know, because it was at that point in the game that he was in. So they're, they're trying to get him right. for that. Likely hasn't had a target in three weeks. He had one target each in the first three games. I mean, you compare his targets to Hill or any number of other, other players. I mean, I think that everybody, and if you go back to my preseason show, unlikely predicted lower targets for him just because, hey, this offense is is much more target rich. There'll be more passes, but there'll also be more mouths to feed. And so, you know, just likely he's not going to be a guy who ends up with as many targets. But a drop to three targets in six games, you know, he's on pace for eight and a half targets for the year. That's, that <laughs> That's is not going to get it done. And it's not because his individual production on those targets has been bad. Um, he's you know he's gotten about eight yards per per target, I believe, on the on his four targets. So he's it's that's not that's not the problem. Um the the problem is that that he's uh you know not not uh, oh he did have a big drop. He did have a big drop Yeah, in one yeah, of those yeah. yeah. And that was his only that was his only ball he hasn't caught this year. But uh yeah. yeah, okay. So some trust points there. He's certainly lost. But to have no targets for three weeks, that is a really tough run uh here for
4: him. Interesting to see if we uh scheme him in the, you know, the scripted, scripted plays. plays. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, you know, I really liked likely he was my like favorite <laughs> tight end in the draft that year. Uh, and I still like, I think I'm optimistic about him going forward, but I want to see, he has to fit this offense a little bit better. Um, and yeah, I think he has the opportunity to do it. Just he has to get there. So we'll see. Cause actually I would say he's another interesting option. If you know, we continue to see struggles out of OBJ and, um, and Bateman. You know, you go to more uh, twelve personnel.
3: Oh, go go to twelve, or even any of the kind of thing we saw maybe a little bit last year, getting him out there as an X on someplace. <laughs> I hope they I hope they don't end up with that. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, I, I, but, I don't think that serves a, a a really good purpose. But all right. Uh, so anyway, uh, sad to see that the ball's not getting spread around. Now, I do think we're back to the same problem is the Monkin offense, the thing it has not delivered on so far. And I think, you know, he's done some good things. He's tried to run out a game and he did it successfully once against Cincinnati, uh, getting a game run out uh, effectively. Yeah. They did a good job, honestly, in this game, in having that 13 play field goal drive, getting the game, uh, you know, worked out at the end. Um, it, that, that really hasn't been the problem. The problem has been, it just has not delivered on the promised spacing. And, you know if, if, we're, if we're gonna get a, get a good passing game going or even if you're gonna get Lamar going as a runner to a greater degree space is critical I mean offense it's the first thing offense needs and and, and Monken seem to understand that and yet they're not doing enough to try and generate it and 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 there's two forms of space that they're missing out on one is trying to come up with ways and this is where it really takes a wizard offensively to create time and space opportunities for Lamar because you got to come up with compound blocking schemes and whatnot with all the problems they have on the offensive line right now um or, or, or And then the problem number two is you've got to find space in levels two and three by taking the safety's attention away, not letting the safety keep his eyes in the backfield the whole play. Um, creating at least extended plays where there are opportunities over level 2 to make plays and and they just i I don't feel like that's happened. And when the when the ball doesn't go over level 2, it's got to be in, you know, between level 1 and and the linebacker with lots of opportunity to beat somebody with the kind of speed guys we have. And just it, it, we just have not had those kind of plays develop so far this year. And Lamar's doing a lot of it himself with the, with his legs and he's not uh, he's he hasn't had the good intermediate opportunities except in the drop game. We had a lot of them and they all got <laughs> yeah. dropped. <laughs> yeah. Or a bunch of them got dropped.
4: I think what I noticed is I feel like the level one and maybe like intermediate two spacing has been excellent. I feel I've I've really appreciated how many times I've seen all twenty two, like, oh look, everyone's like well spaced out. Like they're not on top of each other. Um, I felt like you can see kind of the manipulation they're trying to do, the the reprogression, et cetera. Um but I do agree they haven't pushed the envelope downfield and kind of expand the defense out in that way and create and create space that way. And then also um the uh combination blocks, um, yeah, that might be that's uh the four hundred class. We're not there yet with this offense. <laughs>
3: yeah. It is, it is a lot to figure out and and you know, in some ways you just have to help hope that Stanley in particular uh, gets a little healthier, and they figure out the left guard situation because right now uh, Simpson is is he is hanging on by a thread in terms of of what's going on there. I was I was optimistic, but the penalties have not worked out, and obviously he's had other problems with balance and whatnot that have that have made him more of a target, um, and and that has been uh, has been difficult.
4: Was anyone else licking their chops when he got down and thought, "Oh, Cleveland's going to get a chance," and then he came back right away? <laughs> I was kind uh, of like, <laughs> Cleveland did get a play, yeah. Yeah, one one
3: whole play. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Tough opponent, by the way, for, oh, yeah. for, a for an interior offensive lineman. I mean, this is a, this is a, a, a tough opponent. Anyway, they had, they had their problems. We'll get to that in the second part of the show. Uh, 11 set box, 11 chip blocks in the, in this game. Now this is going to happen because the tackles need help. Um, yep. and, and even Moses who was back and looked pretty good in this game, um, still needs help. He's, he's a much better run blocker than he is a pure pass blocker. Gives you a lot more in terms of mobility than anybody gives him credit for. But the 11 sets and 11 chips are 0.71 of your five eligible receivers per play used on average. It's a seventh of your eligible receivers you're giving away to try and help what is primarily your offensive tackles. There's some blitz pick up there in the middle as well. But most of our charting is is a uh, the, the, the set and chip blockers are L or R. They're not M's. Meaning there okay. are M's or be anywhere between the tackles and L's or R are outside. So uh, it's it's really giving away something that uh, the, the, the patterns on those set, uh, the, those chip blocks rather, are limited in terms of what they could do. Andrews does that. He's in a way out of gas. He usually runs five yards and there's just a very limited set of routes he can run from there.
4: Yep. That's uh, one of the big issues too in the red zone. Uh, I feel like, I, I don't know if you have it charted for how many of those Chips and sets are in the red zone, but, uh, you know, losing one more option, very painful. Uh, I saw that a couple of times at least. So it makes it hard. It makes it hard yeah. when you're not able to trust your, uh, tackles to give the protection necessary in order to see these plays develop. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, yeah, what was, I think more disappointing to me about this is this is a game where the Titans had a preponderance of four man rush. Now, one of the things you notice when you, and this is definitely you notice if you chart this is that um, you know we'll we'll call out the play and and I'll be I'll be at the line of scrimmage. I'll, Maureen actually writes it down, so I, I'm going okay. Uh, they're at three one one a four zero a, a four man pass rush is shown. They bring it four zero, and then the next thing she wants to know is sets and chip blockers, and and I have to I have to let it go forward a little bit, and I go all free releases, and it's almost always when you have a. Four man pass rush. It is typically all free releases, and and there's not a chip on one side or the other. And and this is a uh, a, a case where uh, you know they're still chipping even though they've got a four man pass rush coming up, and that's just not a good sign. You don't trust your tackles in that case. And and as I mentioned, 23 out of the 31 plays they rushed four in this game, and they're still using .71 um, uh, you know of their eligible receivers per play uh, to help block. So it's it's a it's not a high trust of their current offensive line um, that they're showing with that, and it and it really showed up. And they still gave up forty eight percent pressure. It's a, it is a good interior line, you know. And, and Simmons is a handful to deal with, and he's playing on the edge some too. So he's against Moses, and they really felt like they needed to give him help there some. Um, but it's really something where they where they've got they they've they've got to find ways to either get a lot more time to throw. By using those set and chip blockers that create some additional extended plays, or, or they need to find some other wizardry to roll Lamar to one side, maybe, and get him an opportunity to throw with a rolling pocket that has more protection or even use more more protection than they're using to create time that way. But there's got to be a better way. There's There has to be a better way than than what they're getting currently out of their offensive line to to, to make space for Lamar, make time for Lamar.
4: Yeah, I couldn't say it any better. It's uh, it's the number one thing I ho- think holding back the offense is the offensive line and their performance. So it'll have a big ripple effect uh, as they're you know getting less help from the chip blocks and also just playing more effectively.
3: You know, offensive line play is down all over the league. Not offensive line play. Um, I I don't want to say that offense is down all over the league. Yeah. And I think some of it is the fact that teams have gotten better at playing zone defense and they're and they're um more able to deal with giving up short gains in the passing game because they know every every pass you take is a risk uh you you got the chance of pressure you got the chance of of uh, turnovers that that go with that and and also that go with pressure you know pressure throws whether it's fumbles or turnovers um but it's it's something that uh you know maybe my expectations need to be reduced as well i you know i remember you know watching Matt Burke play offensive line when he first got to the Ravens, just how much he broke the system in terms of the percentage of his blocks that he was making. And, and maybe it's just something where um, with, with a reduction in offense in the league in general, that the scoring for tackles needs to be a little bit easier than it is right now, or maybe even for guards as well, because guards aren't scoring well either. Another hypothesis
4: I heard is uh, the more seven on seven um, going on at the lower levels. It's not, you know, encouraging good line play. It's easier to extract Um, dynamic edge rushers out of seven out of seven play, uh, you know, players than um, an offensive lineman. Right.
3: See, you're talking about like, like, like junior leagues or something not playing with line play because they want to reduce injuries or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, That's one of the the theories I heard. So, yeah. Cause I mean, they, they certainly are playing with it in high school and college. They're still playing with normal offensive lines and whatnot, or, uh, you know, If you call what they do in the Big 12, normal (laughs) offensive line play. But they are playing with normal offensive lines. um, Interesting. That's an interesting idea. Um, Unbalanced line, they used one time in this game. They used it 19 times in weeks two and three. A lot of that uh, was to cover up with injuries uh, happening. And they just used tucked Moses one time on the left side in this game and a five unbalanced left. Really, uh, uh, something I thought we'd see a lot more of, but that was also based on the fact that I thought Daniel Falalele was going to be in there and they were going to have to tuck him a lot. So uh, that didn't, that hasn't really materialized. But, uh, but it's something that we would. Uh, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's off the table. I think Monken was effective with it in weeks two and three. So there's a good chance the, the Ravens end up going back to it at some point.
4: Yep, I think uh, you know we're, we're through the first third of the year, and I think this is time for them to kind of self skit out, reflect, and try another you know iteration so to speak of this offense um i think this is a good we we have enough of a sample size now to kind of go forward with a you know i don't know for lack of a better word refreshed approach um i know they probably do that every week but i feel like we have enough sample size now to really look back at what's worked and what hasn't
3: yeah let me ask you this because i think this is something you you can't get married to any one thing, in my opinion. But let's just talk on offense exclusively. Um, the Ravens are fifth in the entire league in third down percentage. To me, that's obviously not the place where they're going to be easily able to squeeze out more efficiency than what they've got. Maybe they need to be better to stay at the same level. But I'd be perfectly mm-hmm. happy if they finish with a you know 46%, 45%, 46% um, uh, third down percentage. I mean, okay. I just I, I want to go through these because that, because yeah. the question is where are they going to pick up the efficiency? Is, is yeah. the idea that they've gotten so on fourth down? Um, I don't know how many times they've got but they might have gone for it fourth time and they're, four times and they're twenty five percent. I don't think they've gone for it eight times. So I think that's it's primarily just a small sample size, but they are next to last in the entire league um, in that. Uh, that has been an area of of previous strength and something, you know, you want that to be in the bag of tricks, but it's also a, a low total number of um, plays you're potentially impacting. And I, I, I don't think that's also where they need to extract additional value. Yeah. They need to get better at there, but it's not going to be where the, you know, where they make a s- substantial jump. I think the biggest one
4: is um, getting back on schedule when first down fails um that's that's the number one i mean that's probably everybody right <laughs> it's not particularly unique but they, i do think that's um probably the place where they can extract the most value i don't know how well that's tracking the stats but um it that's what i feel like uh would would help them the mess most uh, a lot of times what happens is uh, I, I was looking at the dr- by drive you know you have an incompletion on first down you run for one yard on second you know like that that happened like i think three times in this huh. game um that kind of just like you know stifled so incompletion ineffective rush long you know long third down so i think having a more successful um first down and and that kind of like it it, it becomes tricky because yes, if, you're it <laughs> stay, if you're trying to stay if you're trying to stay balanced right if you pass on first down and it fails then you, you gotta pass again right like if you're if if you're trying to really get back on schedule, because I don't know how realistic it is to expect a, a six or seven yard run. I mean, it happens. Don't get me wrong, but uh, this particular, particularly with this offensive line state, I don't know, you know, <laughs> it, it's less likely than it has been in the past. So finding a way to get better at that second down would be critical.
3: Yeah. I, 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 I... It does put you in a tough position on first down. And the Ravens of the past few years of the Roman era, because they ran on a high percentage of first downs, either by, you know, a lot of them by scramble as well as by normal designed runs, yeah. always had Lamar as a threat, you know, on those plays. And the, and the current Ravens do too. But they they don't run as often here anymore. And when they do run, they, they have, because the yards per carry are down, they're not staying on schedule as often as they used to be. So when you ask them to say, well, I, then I went run past balance on first down. Then you have to take risk on first down because if you pass the ball and, and it's incomplete, then you got a problem. Lamar's had a high completion percentage this year, but a lot of the other little short thinky crap they've been doing to the outside has not been particularly good. You know, in terms of, of creating a lot of yards uh, on those on those plays, so a hard to hard to stay on schedule when you don't have the one real weapon. You know, a, a super high percentage player or a receiver who is just deadly on a whip route or something like that, that, that that just can easily get you five, six, seven, eight yards all the time. I, I'm personally, particularly when the Ravens are running out of game, I'm always, first thing I say is nine's better than 10, as soon as they have a nine yard gain on first down. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm always excited to see anything, you know, six or higher usually. Yep. Yep. No, for sure. No, that
4: that's, uh that's smart football. I tell you like <laughs> that, that Roquan play was so astute to uh, not yes. tackle him, you know, like that, it's kind of one of those similar
3: uh, to just eking out a little bit of value there. Um, yeah. So we we had this question come up yesterday. I was talking to, talking to James Ogden about it on the defense show, but I I just said when you can see Roquan having on field awareness that basically it's not that's not the first level awareness that I want. The first level awareness I want is. Wide receiver, know when you're not supposed to go in the end zone. Kneel down at the one-yard line. Kneel down at the two-yard line. Do whatever you have to do to not score a touchdown, even though it's every right. instinct in your body tells you score a touchdown. <laughs> Look at the damn scoreboard. <laughs> know what the situation is going in. And the Ravens have – Fortunately, the Ravens haven't had a situation like that where they scored a touchdown they shouldn't have going back to the use check touchdown on Christmas night 2016 that shall not be forgotten. Oh. Um, but they, but they had, they, they've, they've had a number – um, uh, or twice where the Bears did it to him and, the, and and then Pickens did it to him where, you know, basically the receivers gave the Ravens another chance in the ballgame because of it. And I I just, if, if if all I want for that is a wide receiver is to understand that level, I, I want the same thing out of defensive players. No one it's tied to push a guy into the end zone. But in this case, this is two levels up from that, what Roquan <laughs> did. I mean, what Roquan did is he said, okay, there's 212 left of the game. Let me let him get up. I'll bleed off another five seconds off the clock and maybe they won't be able to have time to get this next play off because they have to get back to the line of scrimmage after that. I might even be able to lay on them for half a second and whatnot. All of those things, you know, he had to put all that together. If there's a player who can put that together on the field, how the hell can we not demand that of other players? Athletes have accountability between each other. Why, why do we not demand that kind of in-game awareness of other players, that's a great question. I mean, it,
4: it it might have been one of the most like heads up plays I've seen in since covering you know the Ravens. Honestly, like it it was. I I didn't think of it. I'll tell you that much. Like I I was watching. It, I was like, what is he? Oh wait a second. You
3: know, <laughs> like, here's yeah. the great thing that Kurt Warner had had a really bad game as an announcer here. I mean, just all <laughs> pro <laughs> offense, a bunch of crap. But but this this play, he said. Oh, I don't know what he's thinking here. Well, Warner of anybody who has to manage the clock as a quarterback had to <laughs> at some point, obviously in the distant past. There's been a few happy hour drinks since then, obviously since that happened. But he he should have known exactly what was going on with with, with the clock there. In fact, right. you know, one of the things to do in that situation, if you're the tight end, is just go ahead and kick kick Roquan in the shin and get the down by contact taken care of, and then get right. up. Uh, and uh, but he didn't he didn't try and do that. It, it's it would have been asking a lot. Perhaps in that case. Yeah. To, to, Everybody was what just was. confused. Like what, what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was that was kind of funny there. It would have been a level, it would probably would have been a level two for Okonquo to understand, okay, I need to kick him in the shin and just oh, yeah. <laughs> get down and, and, uh, and get this play taken care of. Roquan is all up in his legs too. I was, like, I was like thinking, was there contact there? I'm trying to watch it. A it was incredibly
4: times. impressive yeah. dance to not yeah. touch him. <laughs> like to be yeah. in position to tackle him so effectively, but also yeah. not touch him, like masterclass.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very, very well done. But I, uh, unbelievable uh, awareness on field. And, and, you know, they'll talk about that in the film room. And, and basically, I hope that what goes with that, and they've already watched the film. So what went with that is, look, all you wide receivers, all your ball carriers out there, you understand you have obligations to understand what the game situation is as well. Get it done. Understand mm-hmm. where we are in the ball game. They always, they always tell baseball players, you got to know that. You know, you don't, you don't get thrown out of third base for the last out, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you you have to have all sorts of situational awareness. This is just, it's not a lot to expect of a football player either. And, and Roquan proved it by doing something that was, that was just miles ahead of what, what, what I want out of every player. Yep. All right. We'll come back. We'll talk about the second part, uh, uh, offensive line play and some other things in the second half, including our MVPs from this game. Uh, Alec, tell folks where they can find you writing online.
4: Sure. You can find us at one winning pod. Um, want to, Give a shout out to our YouTube channel. We've uh, started to introduce a little bit more video, um, like actual video, rather than just like the audio with a <laughs> static picture um, to it. And uh, had a really great conversation with Glover Quinn, um, all pro safety of the Lions, previewing that game. So definitely recommend checking it out. He had some really interesting, uh, you know, insights. And we even had an off the cuff uh, questionnaire asking about, you know, what it was like playing Joe Flacco and uh, some other quarterbacks, um, in the league and he had some really interesting, uh, kind of things to say about, you know, those experiences as well. So definitely recommend giving it a, a
3: listen. It was, it was a really, uh, fun time all right outstanding sounds like a great sounds like a great guest honestly always love getting x players and and the the real football they can give you is just really really uh interesting so just give that a shot other folks out there if you'd like to be on a film study short go ahead hit me up with a dm on twitter they're always open and i've gotten a good stream of these coming in the last few days appreciate it and uh always seeing interesting things on twitter i'd like to go up if you have any kind of a thought experiment you want to talk about um that's always fun i don't even mind if, if you're if you're trading a for b or whatever we want to talk about the trade deadline. I want to talk about strategies there. Anything you'd like to, um, I'm eager to talk to you about. Uh, hit me up with a DM and I'll get right back to you. We'll see if there's a show there. Alec, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.